Live from San Diego, California, we go live to the newsroom with your host, for Nick's Nerd. Oh, what up, friends? It's me, your host, Nick. It's Nick Nerd's News. I can't even say my the title of my show. It's Nick's Nerd News. What, 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 what? I'm being annoying today. Welcome to the show, guys. I'm sure that's going to send a lot of you packing. <laughs> that is not indicative of what this show is. Wow, that was crack. Voice crack. I'm, I'm losing it today. Anyway, welcome to the show. If you're new, happy to have you. Welcome. I, I enjoy... I enjoy bringing the nerd news to you all. If you're you've been here for a long time, welcome back. I love having you as fans. Hey, let's just get right into the show, shall we, huh? What's what's going on? What's going on in the video game world? What's going on over there? there well, there's a lot going on this week, surprisingly. And to start it off, I do want to talk about something Microsoft is doing that kind of shocked the industry a bit. But they are essentially adjusting their revenue sharing. So revenue sharing is when a developer puts their game on a platform and, and of course the host of that site takes a cut of the game and it's essentially increasing the amount of money that will go back to developers from sales of PC games on the Microsoft store. So like if you buy a game on your computer from Microsoft instead of Steam, which is kind of low, I don't think that many people are, are buying that many games on on the Microsoft Store, but they 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 revealed this in in Xbox Wire, so it's official. Uh, they said, "quote As part of our commitment to empower every PC game creator to achieve more, starting on August first, the developer share of Microsoft Store PC game sales net revenue will increase to eighty eight percent from seventy percent." Unquote. Uh, they also went on to say, "quote A clear, no strings attached revenue share means developers can bring more games to more players and find greater commercial success from doing so." Unquote. This is essentially um, like a big stab at Steam. Uh, Steam is famous for their 70-30 split. A lot of people think it's it's unfair. Of course, Epic Games tried to change that as well, uh, and we'll we'll get more into Epic today. But what's what's funny is is Microsoft and Steam have kind of been working together as of late and trying to you know help in the the PC game space. And of course, Microsoft is is putting their games on Steam for the first time in a long while. But then they come out swinging and be like, "Nah, fuck you, bro. We're gonna we're gonna do this." It's fun. It's funny. It's funny to watch. It really is. But I'm um, sticking on the Microsoft bandwagon here for bandwagon train here for a second. Uh, Halo Infinite dropped another Inside Infinite. They do it the last Thursday of every month, and uh, this this one was all about Halo Infinite on PC. Uh, they assured people that it is being built from the ground up. It will be a a very um, good experience for our, uh, for PC players. They, they wanted to make sure it was felt just as good in, as on PC as it would on console. As, as remember, Halo changed the game uh, for, for console shooters back in 2001. Um, of course, it is the 20th anniversary of Halo as well. But they assured fans uh, it will have cross-play and cross-progression. So if you play on Xbox or you go play on your PC because you might have it through Game Pass or just being, you know, in the Microsoft ecosystem, that that's all going to be a possibility. And of course, uh, there they also introduced field of view sliders. So Halo will have Halo Infinite will have field of view sliders on PC uh, that that will go up to ultra wide and super wide. And honestly, they it looks like so, they even said like this looks way better than, than we expected it to look. Um, the the somehow they they've been able to. Granted, this is pre-release. Um, stuff and they're, they're hoping to make sure it, it carries through but somehow they've been able to get it to look like perfect on on ultra wide settings even without um, or super ultra wide I should say without sacrificing like um, uh, uh, why can't I talk today like height and and, and you won't be you won't lose like uh, the depth of, of, of the field and everything like that. So I guess on some games, when you, when you increase the field of view to like super ultra wide, you'll lose, um, some things in like the upper half of the screen. Like it, it, it cuts it out and it makes it, um, like shorter. 
but but they're trying to make sure that you can see everything still even if you increase so it, it kind of pulls it back um, so instead of instead of kind of like zooming in and making ultra wide it pulls it back more so I I don't know I don't know how to expl explain it it's all on halo waypoint it looks really good though um, they they showed off how you can change your settings um, so it's it's 32 by by nine is that super ultra wide for people who have that super ultra wide uh it will have different input uh input uh settings and things like that if you're gonna play online um you can play with people that are the same input as you competitive will be the same input so if you are even though it's cross play so if you're playing competitive it means you are only with controller players regardless if they're playing on pc or xbox uh, if you're playing mouse and keyboard, you will only be mouse and keyboard, to, regardless if it's Xbox or PC. Um, they also said that I think some they will open it up to a mix on like non, um, non on uh, non uh, competitive. Uh, you'll be able to to change all that. Uh, they'll have keyboard mouse mapping, so a, a lot of good things coming for PC. And uh, like I said, they they want to make sure that it it is a um, premier experience on PC to match what it's like on console. Um, and then at the end, of course, Joseph Staten always chimes in with a, with a parting word, uh, and he did promise that there will be more uh, video stuff to show off of Halo Infinite in the months to come. Because, hey, we're, we're literally, we're just weeks away from E3 at this point. It's crazy to think that were weeks away from E3. That That's nuts. It's nuts. Crazy time to be alive. Also, new rumors on the street are that the IO Interactive new studio that they set up in, like, Barcelona, Spain. You know, IO Interactive, of course, makers of Hitman. They're making the next James Bond game. Uh, rumor is that they set up their new studio to make a dragon-based RPG for Microsoft. Now, a lot of people instantly think, well, what was Scalebound, and who owns the IP for that? Well, I think Deep Silver owns, or Platinum owns the IP for that, but Microsoft apparently just wants to make a dragon-based RPG game. I don't know. Anyway, over in Activision land, uh, Activision has apparently moved Toys for Bob, uh, the makers of the most recent uh, Crash Bandicoot, Crash Bandicoot 4, and apparently there were rumors of layoffs as well, but uh, the Toys for Bob also made the Skylanders games. But allegedly, despite layoffs or not, uh, the, that's the alleged part. The truth is they are now working on Call of Duty Warzone. So, essentially what's going on is pretty much every Activision studio is working on Call of Duty now. Activision is, is just becoming uh, the Call of Duty studio. <laughs> they have a few other games, uh, and and other than that, they're they're just like ninety percent Call of Duty at this at this point. I I don't I don't get it. It's like, what, don't you want to like diversify or some shit? Like, if you just have Call of Duty and like Tony Hawk and like Crash and Spyro, like that's not a big that's not a big portfolio for a company that's been around for so long and. I know it's Activision Blizzard, but still, it's like, the fuck is going on over there? Pretty much everyone is just working on Call of Duty, and Call of Duty is just taking over. Meanwhile, they apparently want to have more of their franchises be like Call of Duty and Warzone, which, that's a little frustrating, too, uh, to, to hear things like that. So, I mean, they lost Destiny, let's, let's be real about that, but... I guess Activision Blizzard, um, they want to bring the formula from what they're doing with Call of Duty and put it all in all of their major franchises. So they made $2.28 billion uh, in their first quarter, $2 billion of which was, was all digital. And they have at least 435 million active users across all of its properties. Uh, 150 million of them were on Call of Duty alone. Free-to-play Call of Duty and Call of Duty Mobile have tripled their, their monthly active users uh, since they launched last year. 
And apparently Call of Duty Mobile launching in China was big. I mean, that, that was kind of expected. But this is all from their earnings call. Call of Duty Mobile has now surpassed 500 million downloads, which is insane. Uh, it's made a billion dollars in revenue in its lifetime since it came out in 2019. So they want to emulate that with everything, apparently. So uh, per CEO Bobby Kotick, who's, of course, not well-loved, said, quote, Call of Duty is the template we're applying to our proven franchises as well as our new potential franchises as we attempt to grow our audience to a billion players, unquote. So what does this mean? You're going to make a crash battle royale? I, I don't understand. Is this what's going to happen with with Overwatch 2? I'm trying to figure out. Does this mean it's going to happen on, on you know, Diablo 4 when it comes out? Like, what what's going to happen with, with this stuff? And it's a serious question, because people don't always like that stuff in every game model. It doesn't apply to every game model, that's for damn sure. So it's, it's, it'll be interesting to see how it, how it all, all plays out, though. We'll see. The future is always in flux, though. Never, nothing is ever really set in stone. Um, also got news that Fall Guys for Nintendo Switch and Xbox have both been delayed. Um, however, though, crossplay will be enabled when they do come, so you will be able to play against your friends on all consoles. Um, uh, Konami has announced that they will be skipping E3, um, despite having multiple projects in the works. Uh, they don't want people to think that uh, they're not not lazily hanging around, but but they they will be coming. Um, also, uh, it's been announced that Mass Effect will have a day one patch. So Mass Effect Legendary Edition will have a day one patch. That is bigger than the three games themselves. Each bigger than they were before. Which, which is insane. But what we also got confirmation today. That uh, we got the frame rate uh, rev- resolutions for Mass Effect Legendary Edition. On the new uh, consoles. So um, let me pull that up real quick. And... Give me one second here. Okay, here, I, I found it. So, uh, for quality, so there's two options. You can do favor quality or favor frame rate. So on the PlayStation 5, you can get 60 FPS at 4K in favor quality, or you can get 60 FPS at 1440 if you favor frame rate. On the Series X, you can get 60 FPS at 4K if you favor quality, and up to 120 FPS at 1440 if you follow favor frame rate. So... You actually get a better frame rate option on the Series X. On the PlayStation 4 Pro, up to 30 at 4K for quality, up to 60 at 1440 in frame rate. On the Series S or Xbox One X, you get 30 at 4K in quality, 60 at 1440 in frame rate. On the standard base PS4, you get up to 30 at 1080p if you favor quality, 60 at 1080p if you favor frame rate. And on the standard Xbox One, up to 30 at 1080 in favor quality, up to 60 at 1080 in favor frame rate. So, those are the new frame rate levels that will be coming to Mass Effect Legendary Edition, which launches next month. Uh, Does the game come out next month? Yes, the game comes out next month. Um, So, be on the lookout. That was made official today um, from uh, uh, EA. Oh, sorry, that comes out next next week. I totally forgot. Oh my god, I didn't realize that comes out next week. Anyway, <laughs> that's I totally forgot about that. Um, so yeah, next week that drops. Um, also, in, in a weird, strange bit of news, so of course we talked about how Microsoft and Discord were talking about a possible acquisition. Well, uh, after that fell through and Discord decided, decided to stay uh, private, essentially... Uh, PlayStation has somehow purchased a minority investment into Discord. Um, granted, they they didn't really have a relationship before. Discord, I don't think, is available on PlayStation consoles currently. Um, Jim Ryan, president and CEO of, of PlayStation, said uh, in a blog post, quote, empowering players to create communities, enjoy shared gaming experiences, is at the heart of what we do. So we are beyond excited to start this journey with one of the world's most popular communication services, unquote. 
Um, it's really strange that they didn't, they wanted to stay independent and then go and sell off a minority stake. Granted, it's a minority stake, so it's, it's different. Um, of course, they, Discord did say that just because it's been put on hold with Microsoft doesn't mean it could continue in the future or another potential buyer in the future. Um, no word yet, um, but it looks like Sony will want to implement Discord at some point in their future. Uh, since I know a lot of people use it on uh, Xbox, I think you can use it on, on... I don't think you can use it on, on Switch, but I know a lot of people use it in tandem. But um, that's been going on. Uh, Google Stadia has lost its head of the platform, whatever whatever that really means, because I, I, I don't. Um, head of product, sorry. I don't know why I said head of platform. The head of product at Google Stadia has left the company. Um, John Justice, who's the VP and head of product at Google Stadia, has left Google. Um, this was confirmed by 9to5 that they said, we can confirm that John is no longer with Google and we wish him well on his next step, unquote. Um, he was the lead forces behind Stadia and he was kind of like spearheading the project and... They shut down all of their internal game development studios last year, or earlier this year. Totally forgot about that. And apparently there's been a lot of other stuff going on at, at Stadia that Bloomberg and Wired covered. And they still want to bring at least 100 games to the platform, though, this year. So we don't know if that's how that's going to be happening anymore, if they don't have a person like that in charge. But then we also found out a, a couple days later that another six people have left uh, Google Stadia. They've joined company uh, the company Haven Entertainment, um, which is uh, the new Jade Raymond studio working on a new IP for Sony. And uh, Stadia's general manager, oh shit, that's a big deal, head of creative services and publishing, staff UX researcher, graphics programmer, and concept artist have all left. <laughs> Uh, they left Google Stadia games for new roles at, at the new Haven Entertainment. That's a big blow to Stadia. Just the, I'm, I'm pretty sure I, I give it another three months, but I, I totally see Google just giving up on Stadia completely. Meanwhile, it, it's funny because like Amazon Luna is a thing, but like nobody talks about it. <laughs> Meanwhile, Phil Spencer is, is committed to Project X Cloud, and he's even, he has even talked about bringing it to other platforms potentially. But the nails just keep coming into that coffin for Stadia. Um, Sony has also patented a new type of platform that would allow... Um, it's a help system, essentially. Uh, similar to what like Nintendo did back in the 80s and 90s where you could call like their game experts or whatever they were called. And uh, you could call them and they would help walk you through a level. Well, this new... new system apparently they file a patent for it um, it is described as quote connecting a player to expert help in real time during gameplay of gaming application unquote so essentially like if you need help on something they'll connect you directly with like a expert on a game i don't know how that's going to work people must be playing like 24 hours then uh, in all different languages um, and and it also says quote a user may reach a point in a video game that is seemingly impossible to navigate through or solve, resulting in the player quitting the game because the user can find no way to advance, unquote. Uh, it's meant for this. And uh, it says, quote, experts would be involved. I don't, I don't know how you get that. And it says also, quote, any player can register as an expert after at least playing a portion of the corresponding gaming application. In other words, they don't have to have beaten the game at the time of registering. Unqu uh, unquote. So it says also, quote, a player can only register as an expert after reaching a qualification standard, unquote. So I don't know how this is different from just going to YouTube and watching it in real time. Having someone walk you through it is a whole lot different than watching it in real time on a video on YouTube. Because, look, don't get me wrong, I go to YouTube for stuff. I did recently for, I don't even remember, 
Watch Watch Dogs Legion, but still, like that that to me that's way faster than waiting to connect with someone cuz we know it's not going to be instant and we know they're not always going to be available. <laughs> Plus not everyone plays every game. So, you know, I I like it. I like that idea. It's just we live in an age of people pulling things up on YouTube. I think it's a little little late for something like this. I, I applaud them, but again, I, I think I think it's a little late in 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 what they're going for. Um, also, uh, Activision confirmed that Sledgehammer Games will be making Call of Duty 2021. Um, so we we will be going back to the three studio cycle, even though I thought that was over. And we went back to the two studios. I, I don't even know what's going on over there anymore. But it will not be a continuation of, of Modern Warfare or Black Ops just yet. As uh, we're going back to Sledgehammer. Um, also announced today is a new set of Paul George PG5's colorways. Uh, Sony, Pl PlayStation, and Nike have announced a collaboration where you can get the new PG5's. Uh, the Paul George, Paul George fives in PlayStation colorways. Uh, they're going to be $120 and they will release. Um, I don't know when they're going to release, actually. I don't know if they're going to be wide. Ah, you have to do it through the sneakers app on May 14th. So you, uh, let me pull up my sneakers app. I am somewhat of a sneakerhead myself. It's Almost impossible sometimes to get shoes on on, on sneakers if, if it's going to be like a really popular, uh, really popular shoe. And hold on, as I scroll through here, looking for them, and I don't see them yet. They should be at the top of the, the page, you'd think. But um, you might not even be able to reserve your spot normally, you, or you can get notified at least. Anyway, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do this forever. But anyway, uh, if you have the the sneakers app, or if you go to the sneakers website, you'd normally have to have a, a, a Nike account. Um, but keep an eye out for it on on you know Nike's website. They are 120. They drop at May 14th. Uh, no time was listed yet. Okay, it's not even in the sneakers app. What the hell, dude? Oh, here they go. Oh, so they're wrong. They actually drop May 20, uh, 27th in the U.S. at 7 a.m. So you got to be up and ready at May 27th at 7 a.m. on the Sneakers app if you want to get these special PlayStation colorways. So just be on the lookout for that. Um, they're okay looking. I'm not a fan of the Paul George shoes to begin with. So like, I don't know. It's, it's whatever to me, but I know other people that are super into him. My buddy, Marquis, who's hosted an episode of the show. Uh, he is a big fan. So maybe I'll get him on to talk. And, um, before we talk about new Pokemon snap, which came out on Friday, I do want to talk about the Apple versus Epic lawsuit. So Epic, of course, is suing Apple over, you know, putting Fortnite and shit on, on the App Store and taking a revenue cut. And then uh, uh, Epic went back at them because they wanted to get money for their V-Bucks. And just the amount of ridiculous things that that are coming out of this lawsuit is, is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. So uh, it turns out... Uh, Sony makes Epic pay them for crossplay uh, uh, in in Fortnite. So, so during during the um, during the trial, the CEO of Epic, Tim Sweeney, took the stand. Um, uh, they asked him, "Do you know what a console is?" Which is the most ridiculous thing ever. Uh, they asked him stuff about crossplay, and it says this is what he said: "Quote." Sony has a policy that requires if the ratio of payments across platforms for a given PS user gets out of sync with the playtime, then we have to pay them a commission on other platform revenue. So that means if someone is bought Fortnite on PlayStation, but then they're not playing it as much on PlayStation, but other platforms, 
Epic has to pay them. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Uh, and then he also said, quote, so if someone were primarily playing on PS, but paying on iPhone, they'd, uh, something was inaudible, compensation to Sony. That's, that's crazy. Uh, that's one of the wild stories. Then we found out about a time that, that Tim Sweeney emailed Yves Guimau directly, the CEO of Ubisoft, over, uh, like, um, fraudulent purchases of division two on the epic game store after they implemented Uplay connectivity um <laughs> that that's a wild story epic has spent over a million dollars to offer free games on the epic game store on pc um this is this is all documents that were released um they paid uh, 1.5 million dollars alone for the ability to license the batman arkham games um we don't know how much the devs got, though. Uh, then we found out that they paid almost $150 million alone for the Borderlands 3 exclusivity uh, deal on PC. Uh, it was a timed window exclusive for six months. Um, so per Simon Carless on Twitter, it says, Also notable, Epic paid Take-Two $146 million in advance for PC Borderlands 3 exclusivity. $115 million for the game marketing one-off fee and re recouped the minimum guarantee part, $80 million in just the first two weeks. That's crazy. That's a wild number. Um, they also paid Take-Two $11 million for Handsome Collection, $20 million for Civ Six. That's... That is... Okay, so that's where we get the whole fully... Uh, the $146 million. So it's the one... one um, the the sorry the 115 for for Borderlands 3 then the 11 million for for Handsome Collection and 20 million for Civilization 6 wow wow that's wild it was wild um then we found out that so Microsoft took the stand today someone from Microsoft and apparently Microsoft has never turned a profit on any of their devices um, so Xbox Vice President Lori Wright was called to testify uh, as a third-party witness. Um, and they asked her about it, and she said, uh, so the, the lawyer said, quote, how much more margin does Microsoft earn on the sale of the Xbox consoles? Wright responded, quote, we don't. We sell consoles at a loss. Just to be clear, does Microsoft ever earn a profit on the sale of Xbox console? Uh, was asked again. She followed with No. Uh, she then went on to explain that, quote, um, it is an end-to-end -end gaming experience, quote, uh, also, quote, critical to us delivering that gaming experience. Um, there, there's more in here, but essentially just like how they operate more off their services, Xbox Live, delivering software. Um, we also found out about, th this is another crazy thing, so also per the trial, um, uh, documents were published. Uh, it was an outline of high-profile Xbox One releases and future releases. Uh, this is a, a a document where Xbox, essentially everything Xbox expected to come out, and it was a, a presentation from August of last year. And they, what they thought would be Nintendo's slate, what they thought would be PlayStation's slate. Um, so Xbox and Microsoft essentially thought that Breath of the Wild 2, Bayonetta 3, Metroid Prime 4, and Shin Megami Tensei 5 all would release between October and December last year. Um, they also thought that other here things would be launched on the PS5. Uh, a couple of the things are redacted, so we don't know if it's games that haven't been announced yet or we just don't know everything. Um, it includes first and third party games and, and of course... COVID is, has changed a lot of those things. So that, that's a big, big thing that came out of this trial. Um, another thing that came out was apparently Xbox wrote a review of, of The Last of Us 2 internally. Um, and they said, quote, The Last of Us 2 is the exceedingly rare video game where what it accomplishes in moving forward, the art of narrative storytelling in video games as a medium, ultimately outweighs whether or not everyone likes it or if everyone has fun playing it. Uh, they also went on to say that it's, uh, quote, a notable improvement, unquote. 
Uh, they also said, quote, absolutely best in class in basically every area, and the overall presentation is significantly ahead of anything that other teams have been producing on console and PC, unquote. Uh, they also said, quote, we were frequently stunned by the quality of the game's visuals, something that sadly seldom happens these days, unquote. And the thing I thought was the funniest from them, um, that while they liked everything, they didn't like what the, how the inventory system worked, and they also said, quote, Naughty Dog still can't seem to make a decent gun combat in any of their games, and this one is no exception. <laughs> so it's, it's funny to see what other, uh, what your competitor thinks of, of your biggest title in a year and, and how they want to compete with that. Um, there's other documents and other interesting tidbits that have, that have come out. Um, this one, though, is this one takes the cake. Apparently, Walmart has a cloud gaming service in the works and Walmart was 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 possibly talking to developers about streaming service uh, it would have been called Project Storm it would be an o open ecosystem I don't know it's all email threads but I don't know I don't even know if it if it ended up happening um so I I don't know whatever happened with it but but this is uh there were some emails with Epic's Games co-founder Mark Rain. Um, he was talking about different things that, that went into it. I guess it was Bring Your Own Game account. Um, and he said, quote, their it had to do with a clip that attached to a, uh, to a controller on your phone. It says they're going to sell, quote, they're going to sell the clip for a crazy low amount. They were saying something like $2. Uh, he said, quote, it was the killer part, more comfortable than playing on Nintendo Switch, unquote. I did play games on the service saying, quote, I played Walmart's demo on an Android phone with an with an Xbox controller, and the experience felt like playing on a PS4 and superior to playing on Android or iOS. They also moved it over to a laptop in real time, and I played there too. Again, it was vastly superior to playing it on my daughter's Surface Pro laptop, unquote. Which, I don't know if this is still a thing, if it's in development, but, but Walmart. Walmart with a game streaming service. What 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 planet do we live on? But before we move on, I, I did want to talk about new Pokemon Snap, which came out on Friday. I've put about five or six hours in. I've gotten to the second island, and uh, I've gotten to like the second or third level on most of the the maps. I guess you could say um, as I, as I progress through. It is fun. Uh, it, it was made by um, Bandai Namco. And it was after they were so successful with Pokemon Tournament, which is, is funny to hear, like a non-Pokemon company or non-game um, you know, freak make a Pokemon game. It's rare. Um, but but I, I did, did, I am enjoying it. And it, it, is, it is challenging. Um, the controls are a little wonky on, on Switch, and they're not super fast or, or as user-friendly as they could be. Um, it's weird going again to like Nintendo switch from what I'm used to on Xbox where all the buttons are in different places. So like, I fucking hate that the a button is on the fucking right and not the bottom. Um, but, but overall it, it is challenging. It is, it is, there is a lot of replayability cause you do need to get points to, to progress the map and progress your character and to be able to unlock more maps. Um, the story is kind of just bunk at this point. It, it's like nobody cares about a story in a Pokemon Snap game. You're there to take pictures of Pokemon. Um, it is frustrating at points because, again, it the controls are a little sluggish, and you need to be able to to like take pictures of certain things right away because it it is timed right. And the thing I don't like is uh, it it is like the the original one, but you can't stop your vehicle. Um, if you, you have a certain amount of pictures you can take, so you need to make sure that, that you, you keep, you keep an eye on, on your counter. Um, it, it, it is frustratingly slow sometimes to move, to move the camera around, but, but overall, I, I would definitely give it like a seven and a half out of 10. Um, I'm, I am having a lot of fun with it. There are a lot of Pokemon and unfortunately, like I said, it's just the, the, cons the controls are sluggish. I wish you could stop the vehicle. I mean, it's 2021, right? Like, people hated that kind of about the first one. Granted, it, it gets you to play more and be able to take different shots that you might have missed. I, I get the point of it, but it's annoying at the same time. 
and it, it's a little frustrating in in it it asks you to do like certain challenges and you take a picture of, of this challenge but it doesn't go through or it doesn't really explain how to do it and i get they're not going to fully explain how to get a challenge done but to not even offer any like idea of some challenges are easy some aren't right and and there's one i'm trying to do where you're trying to take a uh, take a picture of florgus doing something and i'm trying to look everywhere online it doesn't online in this particular case is like not helping me despite everything that i've read and and the game just says have it take a picture of it doing something with with energy and i'm just like okay but what does that fucking mean because every pokemon does something different depending on what you throw at them be it an apple or a lumina orb or or, or whatever it may be so it, it's all just a bunch of like what the fuck man and like kids are gonna hate that granted the challenges aren't required but they they help you get more points to keep moving forward so like i said i'm having fun i, I hope to to get more into it this weekend and, and get more pictures of more pokemon but we'll see but we'll see we'll talk about it next week um let's move on to tv shall we well um a little bit going on here amazon has renewed it's uh, Invincible show based on the Rock Robert Kirkman comics for another two seasons. It just wrapped up its first season. I watched about half of the season. I, I, I plan to hopefully watch the second half this weekend. Um, and that has been renewed for two more seasons. That show, I, I don't know. The, the first half that I watched, I it kind of hooked me. I like the animation style. It's a lot like Young Justice. But it's just, it's like super real. Just like... Um, like the boys is like it it doesn't stray away from violence and things like that but it it's kind of like just not like super like impress like it's a good story but it's just kind of like like middle of the road story too to me at least i know a lot of other people like it maybe maybe it will pick up in the second half uh the season i'll i'll know hopefully um this weekend and sticking on amazon prime they have released their their viewer numbers for last year 175 million people watched at least one movie or some kind of TV show on Amazon Prime in 2020. 175 million people. This goes to show you how many people, how much more people were home and watching stuff on on their on their TVs and through streaming services and other devices. So that that's why the streaming wars are heating up and more and more companies seem to be putting out their own streaming services. Um, and, and are kind of adjusting their prices, too, to match the, the highly competitive world of, of streaming right now. Um, we also got a casting announcement for the HBO Max Green Lantern series. And it looks like... Um, so they have cast... Uh, his name is Finn Whitrock. He's known for being in the American Horror Story shows. Uh, he's been cast as, as Guy Gardner. Yes, we're going with Guy Gardner. Of, of the Green Lantern Corps. Um, they've created some new characters um, for the show. Alan Scott will be in the show, as well as Simon Baz, Jessica Cruz, Kilowog, and Sinestro are all expected to be in the show as well. Uh, apparently, it will span decades. Um, their official synopsis says, quote, Green Lanterns reinvents the classic DC property through a story spanning decades and galaxies. Beginning on Earth in 1941 with the very first Green Lantern, secretly gay FBI agent Alan Scott, and 1984 with a cocky alpha male Guy Gardner and half-alien Bree Jarda. They'll be joined by a multitude of other lanterns from comic book favorites to never-before-seen heroes, unquote. Of course, it is being pro produced by Greg Berlanti, the, the king of the Arrowverse, and uh, looks like to be... Uh, they're getting that ready to go as the show is probably going to premiere in the next year or two. Um, can't wait to see how that goes. I uh, wonder if they're going to have a Hal, Hal Jordan or, or John Stewart involved at all. Pro probably not. They want to keep those for the, the big stuff and DC just does things weirdly. Anyway, um, we know who Guy Gardner is going to be played by. Guy has always been a douche. I don't really like Guy Gardner. There's other... Could have gone with Kyle Rayner or something. Um, anyway, uh, we're also now getting confirmation. So we know that Doctor Strange 2 is coming out next year. And 
we we know that Wanda is going to be involved, Wanda Maximoff, but but now we're learning that Doctor Strange 2 or Doctor Strange was originally supposed to appear in WandaVision. And they wrote him out and then they had to change Doctor Strange 2 uh, to go with this. This was Kevin Feige was being interviewed by Re Rolling Stone and uh, he was supposed to be, so Doctor Strange was supposed to be in the season finale and Ke Kevin Feige essentially came out and said, some people might say, oh, it would have been so cool to see Doctor Strange, but it would have taken away from Wanda, which is what we didn't want to do. We didn't want the end of the show to be commoditized to go to the next movie. Here's the white guy. Let me show you how power works. Um, un end quote. And I, I, that makes more sense to me. And, and a lot of people think that the end credit scene is, is definitely from Doctor Strange 2 in some way. Um, I, I guess there was going to be, uh, other, um, other, other characters, but they, they cut some of that stuff. I'm sure things were, um, I'm sure things were rewritten and cut with, with production changes with COVID and everything like that. But I, I, I guess, um, I guess Doctor Strange would have been in it. That, that makes a lot of sense. Um, but because he wasn't in WandaVision, they actually had to, um, rewrite uh doctor strange 2 and hold on i'm gonna i'm gonna pull that article up as well hold on one second fam as i type and you listen to me type and now i yeah so here uh doctor strange 2 had to be rewritten um kevin feige went on to say oh wait no that's uh yeah, so, so once they cut it out of the show, they had to rewrite the movie to make sure it fit into the movie. So they, they had to, I guess, uh, link them together because um, it would have been um, it would have been in the show that they tied them together. But now they have to introduce themselves in the movie or not introduce themselves, but introduce their, their connection in the movie as opposed to in the show. Uh, today we also got our first uh, first real trailer for the new Rugrats revival that's coming to Paramount Plus at the end of the month. Uh, it looks weird for um, for like for computer animation in, in today's day and age. It's like those character models don't really lend themselves that much to um, to like. 3d animation uh, it's it's good to have like most of the the voice cast back uh granted that the adults are going to be played by by different characters which is interesting for for sure um but it, it i don't know man i'll watch a couple episodes but it does not it, it i don't know man i'm not feeling it at all surprisingly like it is uh I'm not feeling it at all. It's almost like a little jarring to to watch, and I I don't know. I'll I'll give it a, a chance, but it I don't I don't think I'm I I don't think I'll be able to get over the the animation style to be honest. Especially when you see what they're doing with Star Trek Prodigy, it's just like what? How can you have like this is like somewhat shoddy animation, and then in in Prodigy you have like stuff that looks like really crisp and neat and clean. But I, I don't know. We'll we'll see. We'll see how that, that all plays out. Um, also announced, plus, so we got a new trailer for Loki on Tuesday during an NBA game, of all places. Um, and then, uh, uh, which looks, that it expands on the stuff and ties into this idea of maybe there's going to be multiple Lokis. Uh, and then today, we found out that, that the Loki premiere is moving up two days early. And it will now premiere on Wednesdays. So it will premiere on Wednesday, June 9th. And the show will drop on Wednesday. So it will not drop on Fridays any longer. It will drop on, on Wednesdays, which is very, very interesting and, and, and strange to see them kind of like switch it up. Because they've been doing Fridays forever. Um, I don't know what, what the deal is with that. I wonder what, what, will, what will happen with that. Um, just about a month away from that. Um, we also got more news on the John Wick prequel series. 
so apparently it's going to focus on Winston, who is the character played by um, Ian McShane in the films. And it will be uh, an origin story about the Continental, and it will take place in the 70s. We're going to get to see the John Wick universe in the 70s. I don't think many people were asking for that, though. Um, as long as it, it sticks to the high standard of the films, I think everyone will be happy, though. And then, a uh, major blow to the Flash this week. Tom Cavanaugh and... Uh, uh, um, uh, wow, I can't think of, of um, the guy whose name who plays Cisco. Uh, anyway, Tom Cavanaugh and... and, and uh, wow, okay. Cannot talk today. Anyway, um, Carlos Valdez are, are leaving The Flash. Uh, so right now we're in Season 7, and they are leaving The Flash uh, after this season. So they will not be returning... For season eight. Um, now, Carlos Valdez had talked about possibly leaving the show like a year or two ago, so this isn't super unexpected. Uh, it sucks that Tom Cavanaugh's leaving, even though his character pretty much isn't really in season seven at all. I mean, Wells's character kind of ceased to exist at the end of, of season six. Um, and they've been there since the beginning, though. I don't know how this show is going to do without Ro Cisco. To be honest, like Harrison Wells is different every season, so I'm okay with him not totally being around. But, but without, um, without Cisco, it's gonna be really weird. And now there's other rumors floating around that that Grant Gustin might leave as the Flash, and it's just like, if they don't want to do it anymore, don't continue. Don't replace them with a replacement. Like, I don't know how that's doing for Batwoman, um, but I don't hear hype for that show as much anymore. But, like, Grant Gustin is the Flash. Wally's not even in the show anymore. And I, I heard Bart Allen, the, their grandson or son or whatever, whose impulse is coming. But people don't like him. I'm personally bummed because I, I do like Carlos Valdez's portrayal of Cisco, and, and Cisco is... I prefer Cisco over the Flash in some ways. But, you know, they, they've been adding more and more and more characters to the show, and they're just trying to fix it and keep it going. So I, I get it. It just, it sucks when a, a character you like leaves the show. It's like when Gil left CSI, it just, it wasn't the same after that, but I, I, I get it. I get it. It just, it's going to suck, man. It's going to suck. Um, moving on. I do want to talk about, so it was star Wars day yesterday. Happy, uh, happy belated May the 4th or, Happy uh, Revenge of the Fifth today. Anyway, it was Star Wars Day, and, you know, I love Star Wars. You guys know this. I've dedicated multiple episodes to just talking about Star Wars. Uh, but the Bad Batch premiered on, on uh, Disney Plus yesterday. And it was a 70-minute premiere, and it, it had a forced cameo. What I felt like was a forced cameo in the first five minutes. But some people were calling it the, the eighth season of The Clone Wars. I think that's a little disingenuous. Mainly because it, it, it is about the Bad Batch and it literally takes place during the events of Revenge of the Sith. So it, it's literally taking place like right after Order 66 is is in, uh, put out into the wild essentially. Right after Palpatine gives the order to execute the Jedi. So it's like to call it the 8th season of the Clone Wars is like... It, like I said it's disingenuous because it's not the Clone Wars. The Clone Wars are over in the show. So, uh, granted, it it takes a turn I do not I did not expect. I am loving just about all of it. The animation, yes, it's it's almost identical to the Clone Wars, but it's actually a lot better, and it's very very much vastly improved over it. And they they do like a recap of Episode Three, and and the Grievous model that they show is is glorious. I I will say that, and. Overall, I like the tone of the show. It's it's not, it's kind of dark. It's kind of actiony. It's got a lot of cool hit hit um, great uh, hit action pieces, and it it sets up why the Bad Batch leaves. It's it's obvious that uh, minor spoilers, but they don't essentially adhere to Order sixty six because remember they're they're mutated, so it's it's possible that their inhibitor chips or whatever they're called didn't didn't fully work or were were mutated out of 
out of existence, um, which kind of sets up how they might connect with 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 Rex later. Um, of course, there's going to be a new episode on, on Friday, and I really dug it, and I'm very excited to see where this show goes. I, I hope it gets multiple seasons, um, and it, it'll be the the dynamic that's set up towards the end is is also very interesting for sure to see. It's it's nice to have Echo back in the fold as well, considering you know he kind of was missing for half half of the Clone Wars. And then they, of course, brought him back in the final season now that he's with the Bad Batch as well. But it, it'll be interesting to see these these interesting clones and in, in, in how they react in a post-Clone Wars galaxy. Um, especially with D. Bradley Baker voicing, <laughs> voicing all of them uh, to a degree. The man, is it's almost like Justin Roiland on Rick and Morty. but Or Seth MacFarlane, you know, on, on Family Guy voicing multiple, multiple characters. But it, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out and how they set it up and how it, it connects to the larger universe as a whole and, and the canon as a whole. They, they did a little bit of backtracking on the canon, which, understandable, it's a prequel and it it's a, a time that hasn't been really fully explored before in the canon, you know, right after Revenge of the Sith, or at least not in the new canon. But I, I for one, am very, very excited. I thought it was a very well-done episode. Like I said, 70 minutes solid 8 out of 10, 100% 8 out of 10 for sure. And uh, it, it, it has a lot of good connections to Rebels and, and the new canon as a whole. But I am very excited. I cannot wait to see where the rest of the season goes. Uh, that will be every Friday starting this week. Um, that's it for, for TV. I do want to talk a little bit about movies. Um, He-Man, the He-Man reboot has lost its star. Noah Centineo has dropped out due to scheduling conflicts. Um, but he will still be in Black Adam, which I'm probably sure is the reason why. But honestly, I, most people didn't have high hopes for that movie anyway. Um, Marvel decided to just, like, lay down the gauntlet this week. And they, they had, like, a celebration of what's to come with a little teaser. And essentially, it was just all about Phase 4. Um, and we got our first look at the Eternals with, with like, a teaser trailer, essentially. And people have been trying to decipher what little footage there is. Um, it looks really cool. Some of the some of the the use of practical sets is very very appealing. Um, it also outlined like the future of Phase Four. So now we know that Black Panther Two will actually be called Wanda Wakanda Forever. Uh, Captain Marvel Two also got a release date and will actually be called the Marvels and will include Kamala Khan as as Miss Marvel and um, more than likely it will include. Um, Oh, shit, Monica Rambeau from uh, from WandaVision. So be on the lookout for that. And then, of course, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. And then, uh, unfortunately, it, it included a little thing for Fantastic Four, but still still no date on, on Fantastic Four. Um, but at least we know what, what the future of the MCU is as of right now. Uh, but the, the, the seeing it, the Eternals footage was, was the highlight of it for sure. Um, that, that's on, on, on everywhere, essentially, that you can, you can see that. Um, Dominic Moynihan and, uh, oh, geez, I can't think of his name. I've been just all over the place with names today. Um, Dominic Moynihan and, and his co-star, also known as Mary and Pippin from, you know, Lord of the Rings films, um, are making a podcast. Billy Boyd, they're making a podcast called The Friendship Onion, uh, and it will, they'll be talking about pretty much all things pop culture, but mostly focusing on the Lord of the Rings and, and making the film. Um, it will all be about the, the process that they went through to, to, to make it, uh, as well as, uh, remembering and talking about behind the scenes stuff and other things uh, they're, they're going to try and talk to other actors from the films, um, and uh, it's being produced by Cast Media. It premieres on May 18th on all platforms, including Spotify. Uh, they're also going to put some stuff on, on YouTube. Um, and, uh, of course, like I said, they played Mary and Pippin. And they are going to talk about a whole lot of things, especially uh, into Lord of the Rings and, and some other things as well. Um, hopefully we get Ian McKellen on there because that will be the best. Also, this week, uh, Andrew Garfield was on the Happy, Sad, Confused podcast. And obviously, people asked him about the, um, 
you know, asked him about uh, No Way Home and if he was going to be reprising his version of Peter Parker. And he said, I didn't get the call. <laughs> um, which is funny because that doesn't sound like it's like a, it's a not it's an answer and it's a non answer. And it just I, I don't know. It's um, there's there's no guarantee that he is or isn't in it. Let, let's just put it that way. So it, it was just it's really dumb. And it's it's really non-committal, and even if he is in it, he's obviously not allowed to say. He's not like Alfred Molina, who can just get away with talking, saying whatever he wants. And then, obviously, if he isn't in it, he doesn't want to say anything either, because that's just not being courteous to like other people in the industry and just blowing things up. I don't, I don't know. It's just it's funny to see these actors who have been heavily rumored for months be asked about these things and then watch them like squirm as they try to either say yes or no to not blow up the internet or the fandom. And, um, it just, it's interesting for sure. Um, switching gears over to DC for a second. Um, Zack Snyder was being interviewed by the Sunday times, uh, of, of, of England, of London. And, uh, they asked him about the Snyder cut and things like that. And he said, Quote, I was more worried the studio would sue me, do something to silence me, uh, in, uh, end quote, in, re in regards to release the Snyder Cut. So he was legitimately afraid that the studio would try to take legal action in regards to the Snyder Cut. Um, and what's funny is they ended up getting it made. He said, quote, here's the reality. That fandom raised $750,000 for suicide prevention and mental health awareness. Um, unquote, because he, he, he really enjoyed them because they, they put out a lot of public stunts and billboards and airplane messengers, but they, they, because uh, they asked him about it, uh, toxicity about the fandom's reputation, but he's like, Hey, they, they raised all that money f for a good cause. So it's, they're not all bad, but it's, it's, it's funny sitting here now with the Snyder cut out in the wild and, um, Zack Snyder thinking, that the studio might sue him over his his um, contributions to the movement and support of the movement. Meanwhile, now it's moved on to uh, restore the Snyderverse as the new hashtag. I might not hop on board with that as much as much as I do love his vision. We've we've kind of moved away from it at this point with you know Wonder Woman 1984 and Aquaman being completely different from what from what the Snyderverse was. And while I'm happy with 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 how his Justice League turned out, I enjoyed it thoroughly, and we talked about it. I also like where the DC movies are now without him, too. And it's like, I don't want them to backtrack if they don't have to. Um, I know people didn't like Wonder Woman 1984. I really enjoyed it. Aquaman is great, and it's definitely a different Aquaman than what was being set up in, in the Snyder Cut. So, uh, look, I, I would like to see him play around in it. But it, he'd have to tweak it now to fit where, where we're at, right? So not a true restoration of the Snyderverse, but a, a continuation of it in a way that, that fits with it. I would be more on board with that. And I'm and he's he could definitely do that. I'm excited though to see where Army of the how Army of the Dead turns out this month on Netflix, though, his new zombie movie with, with Dave Bautista. Um also Justice Smith was talking this week. And, um, he doesn't know if, if Detective Pikachu is going to be made now, which is weird. Cause I'm pretty sure they like greenlit the sequel, like right away after the first one came out and was a success. So that I'm, I'm a little thrown off by him saying he, he highly doubts it and doesn't think it's going to happen right away. But here's my thing. It's like, after that movie did well, I, I thought... Yeah, they, they literally announced a sequel in January of 2019 before the first one even came out. And the movie did well. So that's why I just... It's like when he says that, it's, it's almost like that doesn't line up with what they said. Granted, there hasn't been a whole lot of, of um, anything since then. Um, but I I don't... I don't know. 
He says, Justice Smith said, quote, I think we just have to kind of bury our hopes. I don't think it's going to happen. I really hope so, though, unquote. That doesn't make sense. Uh, he was talking to Inverse. I That movie made a lot of money. People enjoyed it. So, if anything, there should be... Um, I mean, it came out against Avengers Endgame. Let's let's be honest here, folks. Like, it it came out at at like the worst possible time to release a movie, and it it still did well. Like, it it made it made it double its budget, so it, it made money. It wasn't a failure. It it has it has a a um. It has a a high rating it's not perfect but it's good and i don't see why it wouldn't be made i know they want to make a red and blue movie as well but i don't see why they would all of a sudden just not make the movie that doesn't make any sense i think they should but we'll see we'll see what happens now but i i i think it should be made i don't I don't think we should cast doubt. I think I think it will be I think it will be fine if you ask me. But hey, I could be wrong. Who knows? We'll see what happens. Um and our uh, our one of our final stories today is about Mads Mickelson has been invited to to uh join Indiana Jones 5, whatever it ends up being called, and uh they're finally starting production. And apparently, uh, he's been invited to... This is per Collider. It says, quote, I do think I'm invited to, in, to create a character. I think that everybody wants that. That's why they pick certain actors that they think can come up with certain things. And it will be a collaboration as it always is. So they're, they're not writing a character for him. They're letting him create the character for the film. Which is wild in itself. Um, that's... Uh, that's awesome, actually. I really like Mads Mikkelsen, and I think he's he's the perfect person to, to put in a movie like that. Um, he went on to say that, quote, there's a kind of genre mix in Indiana Jones, always. There's something that this little larger than life, almost back to the 30s with a Peter Lorre kind of feel, and then you have Indiana Jones, who kind of, who kind of is a straight man, but he does produce a lot of funny and inter- interesting things. But there are different character genres in some of those films, unquote. Um, he said he is very excited. Um, he also went on to say, quote, I'm very, very excited about it. I rewatched Raiders of the Lost Ark the other day. It is so well done and so charming and it's such a great storytelling. So yes, it's a great honor to be a part of the franchise that I grew up with. I'm a lucky position where they let me read the script before. And yes, it was everything I wished it to be. So that was just great, unquote. So that's cool. Um, I, I like Mads Mikkelsen. He's great in Star Wars. He's in Marvel. He's he's in all these things that you wouldn't expect uh, uh, an actor like him of his caliber to be in. He's hell. He's in James Bond for God's sake. So I, I'm happy to see him um, branching out and doing all these things, and then being a part of just great franchises in general. And I can't wait to see what he does uh, against Harrison Ford in Indiana in Jones Five. Um, I did want to talk about one more thing, and that was Disney's new retractable, like, lightsaber. Like, real lightsaber, not like the cheesy plastic kitty ones. And, oh my god, I want one. Um, they're only going to be available on, at first at least, uh, via their Galactic Star Cruiser Hotel, which is like a two-day, two-night experience where you essentially stay at, on a Star Cruiser as it travels through the galaxy, which I'm okay with because I want to try and be at that hotel as soon as they open. Um, but that that's definitely something that looks really cool. It's like a 15-second teaser of what it is, and I'm sure they'll release more information on it as it as it comes out. Um, but but they they figured out how to make like a legit like retractable expensive collector's item lightsaber, which is pretty much a force effects one. So it I can't wait to figure out how they did it. Those Disney Imagineers, though. Crazy. Crazy. Anyway, guys, thanks for listening. This has been Nick's Nerd News. Uh, It is May 5th. 
Wednesday, May 5th, Revenge of the 5th. I will catch you guys on the flip side. Uh, unfortunately, I am not getting uh, Resident Evil Village this weekend, so I won't be reviewing that. Um, I will hopefully finish uh, Pokemon Snap this weekend. I'm going to watch that new Phil Lord and Chris Miller movie on Netflix. I'm going to try and finish Invincible, things like that. Um, but as always, hey, check out NixterNews.com where you guys can listen to the show right in your browser. Um, or, or while you're at it, you can find links to our Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast pages. Uh, or if you so that way, if you prefer to listen on the go, you can like, subscribe, subscribe, share all all that nonsense. Uh, also, while you're there, check out our social media tab so you can see our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, where we post a lot of uh, funny memes. And uh, that way, you guys can uh, check out everything that's going on. Everything's always funny, and it's always fun. And uh, that way you can follow us on, on all three or pick and choose which one you prefer. But uh, that is it for me. I will catch you guys next week, and I will catch you on the flip side. <laughs>